Thank you for taking time to listen to our service. We're happy you've joined us today. Visit NBCOcala.com to find out more about who we are as a ministry or get information about upcoming events. There you can also discover all the convenient ways to partner with us financially. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the service. We need you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Hey, help me welcome my internet audience. What's up, y'all? Thanks for being with us in your PJs. I know how you do it. It's okay. Go ahead and have a seat. Go ahead and have a seat. So good to be with you tonight. My name is Nick, and I'm the Young Adults Pastor here at Meadowbrook Church. Oh, thanks. You're very nice. Uh, Hey, how about we um, just give honor where honor is due before we move on any further. Uh, Pastor Tim, thank you for giving young guys like me a shot and a great example to follow. Um, You're a godly man, and I want to be half the man you are one day. So thank you. Can we give it up for our lead pastor one more time? Come on. Give it up for him. He's awesome. He's awesome. So I have a question for you tonight. I want you to be honest with me. This is church. Be honest. You ever been dumped before? Let me see it. Hey, Reverend Dump. No? You were the dumper, not the dumpy? Oh, okay. Well, I've been dumped before, and it's not fun. All right? Um, and, and when you get dumped, they always say, it's not you, it's me. They lie, and it's you. Tell the person next to you, it's not me, it's you. Tell them, it's not me, it's you. Tell them. It's not me, it's you. So I was dumped. Uh, I, well, I dated this girl for many years throughout high school and then in college. And I mean, I was crazy about this girl, wanted to marry her. And then one day, after years of dating, she's like, hey, we need to break up. Well, here's the trump card. Here, here it comes. I need to work on my relationship with God. And I'm like, what do I say about that? And so what do I say to that, right? I'm like, well, I can't beat God. So I'm like, okay, I guess that's fine. I thought we'd break up and then get back together. You know how it happens. And, but then a couple days later, we showed up at the same uh, young adult service we would go to, much like C20 on Monday nights for all you young adults. Yeah, C20 is awesome. But I, we showed up at uh, this young adult service we would go to together, but we didn't come together because we were broken up. But then I saw her with a dude. And I was like, that doesn't look like God to me. <laughs> Trying to work on your relationship with God. But I got to say, he was tall and good looking in a, a medical suit. And I was like, he's beautiful. I get it. I, 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 yeah, I understand. He's better than me in every way. But he's not God. And I did what every self-respecting man would do. I went home and I ugly cried myself to sleep. You know what I'm saying? You ever ugly cry before? Like, <laughs> like shoulders, snot bubbles. Just me? Not Okay. You, okay, just me. Yeah. What's so, it was, his name was George, and George was, I was so great. I would have dumped me for him, too. I, like, I would have. George, no, why? George. All right, so now that you laughed at me a little bit, uh, that was actually a really, really hard time in my life, and I'll tell you a little about that later. But she's still, I don't know if she is. I don't care. <laughs> Good riddance. So, um... Her, her loss, baby, her loss. Um, well, you got me off my message. I don't even know what I'm talking about now. Oh, yeah. But that was actually, that was actually a really, really hard time in my life. Um, and I know if you have actually been dumped, it hurts. Like, it, like it really, really hurts. Like, it's funny now, but it hurts. And you have this identity crisis. You don't know where you're going. You feel useless. And we've all really walked through some difficult times in our life. Maybe you haven't been dumped, but maybe you're going through some marriage issues or 
Maybe you're struggling to pay the bills or maybe you're going through some medical trials. We've all been through really, really hard times. That's what unifies every one of us in here. We've all walked through pivotal circumstances. That's what my message is called tonight, pivotal circumstances. A moment in our life that's really, really hard, that kind of creates a fork in the road where we can choose to trust God or we can choose to trust me. We, it creates this moment where, all right, God, I can trust you through this really hard time or I can trust myself. And I can go my own way and do my own thing. And if I were to take you out to coffee, which I would love to take you all out to coffee. Doesn't that sound great? That would be really fun. But I would really like to. But if I did, I would ask you, how did you get here in your life? Like, tell me a little bit about your faith journey. And if you're not a Christian in here, you don't have a faith journey, that's totally fine. I'm glad you're here. You don't have to believe what we believe to belong here at Meadowbrook Church. We're glad you're here. But I would ask you about your faith journey kind of where you've been, what, what things have grown your faith to the point that it is currently. And I would hear a lot of answers, a lot of great things, but I would probably hear from a lot of you about a time in your life that was really hard. A time in your life that you didn't sign up for, that you'd never want to go through again, that you weren't expecting, but you saw God show up and show off his faithfulness, even in the deepest, darkest circumstances. And it grew your faith like really nothing else can or could. And now your faith walk isn't theoretical or just theological or just out of a book or on paper. It's personal. So because of you saw the faithfulness of God in your life, you're taking your faith personal. So when you call God Father, it's not just a name. It's who he is to you. You know that he's a good father that has your back and has good plans for your life. You, now when you pray, you take it personal. So when you pray, it's not out of religious obligation, but it's because you know God responds and is active in your life and he cares and he listens to you. So when you worship God, it's not just because that's what we do to look good in front of other Christians. It's because you are excited and passionate to get to know the God of the universe that has opened himself up to you. It's personal. Tell somebody next to you, I'm taking it personal. Tell them, I'm taking it personal. I'm taking it personal. The crazy thing is that God uses pivotal circumstances to grow our faith. And tonight we're going to read an account of something that I believe actually happened. And honestly, if the Bible was a hoax this part would not be in it. If I was writing a fictional book about a fake Messiah, I would leave this part out. Because I would say, Jesus, this is not good for your PR. This is not good for your street cred. We need to leave this part out. This is too hard to hear. This is too difficult. And can I be honest with you? I, this, ver- this, this makes me uncomfortable. So I know it's going to make you uncomfortable. So we're going to read an account that I would have left out. But it's things like this that lead me to believe that the Bible is very, very true. So we're going to read an account of when Jesus not only uses a pivotal circumstance, but he allows one to occur to grow the faith of people that he loves. So we're going to be in John chapter 11. And if you've been around church any amount of time, you probably know John chapter 11 is what? Lazarus, 
Christian right here. Yeah, good job. All of you don't know what you're talking about, which makes this better. Okay, that's great. John chapter 11. So you know, spoiler alert, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Okay, that happens at the end. We'll get to it. But I want you to experience with me this account moment by moment because that's how we experience real life. Mary and Martha did not know that their brother was going to be miraculously raised from the grave. And we don't know what the end is. I know ultimately Jesus wins, but I don't know what the in-between looks like. So get off your high horse and come with me on this journey. Moment by moment. So if you have a Bible, John chapter 11, verse 1. We're just going to read and talk, and it's going to be awesome. John chapter 11, verse 1 says this. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. I'm not like, I'm not talking like he was sick, like, <coughs> mom, I don't want to go to school. You know how you used to like, uh, <laughs> like put your head up to like a lamp or something and then go, mom, I got a fever. Quick, come, come, come. It's going to cool off. Not like that. Like he was about to die. Very, very serious. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are all family. And they are very, very close to Jesus. Uh, Jesus had actually stayed at their home before. So they have like refrigerator rights with Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? You know who you like if you give them refrigerator rights in your home. Don't try that with me. I'll cut you. You come in my house, you try and take my leftover sunnies. I don't play that game, all right? Let's skip to verse 3. So the, the, Lazarus is sick. So they do what makes sense. They do this, verse 3. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, their friend. Says, the Lord, Lord, the one you love is sick. So they sent a messenger 20 miles, approximately a two or three day trip, to go tell Jesus that Lazarus is sick. And essentially what they're doing right here is they're doing what you did back in the day to your parents. You manipulated them with emotionally. Like you knew which parent you could get money out of or get them to say yes. Like, mama didn't play that game, but you could go to dad, and he's like, yeah, here's 100 bucks, get out of my face. Like, go, go do your thing. They're giving puppy dog eyes to Jesus. They're saying, Jesus, the one you love, someone very close to you, a close friend of yours, is sick. So come and help. Verse 4. So here is a new truth for you. So buckle your seatbelt. This is where it gets uncomfortable. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Okay, here's the hard thing. Sickness, illness, disease, pivotal circumstances, and tough times can glorify God. Now, I don't like it. I want to glorify God with awesome stuff. I want to be Tom Brady, drop back in the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, yeah. And throw, uh, touchdown, yeah! Let's do the wave. Ready? One, two, three, wave, go, go! Stay on your feet. No, start over. We're going to do the wave. Crowd's going to go wild. Ready? One, two, three, go! Go, 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 go! Go, 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 go! One more time, come back, come back, come back! I won the Super Bowl, people! I won the Super Bowl! There you go. You're not cool. So... So I want to glorify God. With, I want to throw the game-winning touchdown pass and be in the, uh, like the thing afterwards when the reporters are asking the questions and have my trophy right there, just kissing on that thing. And they go, wait, before there's any questions, 
glory to God. That's what I want to do. Or I want to win the lottery and then reverse tithe, give 90%, keep 10, which is still a few mil, and then be like, glory to God. You know what I mean? Like, I want to glorify God with awesome stuff. But Jesus is very clear here that God can get glory from sickness, disease, illness, tough times, and pivotal circumstances, and I'm out of breath. Okay. (laughs) Verse 5. Verse 5. So now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So just in case you missed it, they're BFFs. They sign each other's yearbook. They're close. Verse 6. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. What? He does the exact opposite of what I would expect Jesus to do. He stayed where he, what? Wait. So when Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days? This is another reason why I believe the Bible is true. I would have left that part out. He does nothing? Jesus, the one you love, is sick. You do nothing? You ever felt like that before? Crowd to God for an answer. You're praying for something. Jesus, where are you? The one you love is sick. I need you. So during these two days, Mary and Martha watched their brother die. And I wasn't there, obviously, but I imagine it's something like this. Mary would be attending Lazarus, and Martha would be on the road looking for Jesus. We sent word. The one he loved is is sick. Of course he'll come. And everybody that comes down the road, she's asking, hey, have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? We call for him. Have you seen him? And then they switch off, and and Martha takes care of Lazarus. And Mary's on the road, maybe on the roof looking. Have you seen Jesus? He's coming. We sent for him. He's got to be coming. And in these two days, they watched their brother die. Verse 7. And then Jesus said to his disciples, Hey, let's go back to Judea. That's where Mary and Martha and Lazarus are. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you want to go back? Remember that? Because Jesus was really good at making religious people angry, just so you know. So there were some Jews back there that didn't like him, and they tried to stone Jesus. And I don't think the disciples really cared about Jesus too much. They cared about themselves. I'd I'd have been the same way. I say, Jesus, if they throw stones at you, we're with you. They're going to throw them at me. This is the moneymaker. That ain't going to happen. That can't, that's, that's not right. And the, it's crazy. These are the people we name our children after. These are the biblical heroes. You know what I mean? Sissies. <laughs> They're probably like, Jesus, you know, I like the whole let's sit here and do nothing thing. You know? Like people are asking for us for stuff and you're like, nope, let's do that. Can't you, like, sniper heal him like you did before? Like you healed the Roman centurion servant before? Can't you just, like, can't we hold hands, light candles, sing kumbaya, stay here? That, that sounds something that would work. I don't know. Can't you sniper heal him and we'll just chill here and not get stoned? Verse 11. He went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Great. He's probably sipping on NyQuil, watching what everyone watches when they're sick, Lord of the Rings. Because you watch the Lord of the Rings, you're sick, you fall asleep, you wake back up, Sam and Frodo, they're still walking, baby. They're still walking. And then what happens? You fall asleep again, you wake up, 
They still, they're still getting their walk on. Sam and Frodo, same thing, great. So they're like, he's going to be fine. If he sleeps, he's good. Don't worry about it. It's all good. Verse 13. Jesus had been speaking of his death, duh, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, because sometimes you just got to tell plainly, all right? I'm, I'm guessing he was kind of frustrated. Lazarus is dead. He dead. He gone. That's it. He's dead. And I, I got to tell you, if I was one of the disciples, I'd be like, Jesus, wasn't Lazarus like your friend? You let him die? And Jesus is like, nope. And they're like, all right, you're Jesus. So we'll go with that. Verse 15. This is crazy right here. Verse 15. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there. And if I was one of the disciples, I wouldn't probably say this, but I'd be thinking, okay, I get maybe for my sake, you're glad. But what about Mary's sake? What about Martha's sake? What about Lazarus's sake? He did. What about their sake? He continues. I'm glad I wasn't there. Why? So that you may believe. But let us go to him. Jesus is comfortable with allowing uncomfortable circumstances in our lives to grow our faith. Verse 21. So Jesus arrives and Martha makes a beeline straight to Jesus. And this is where it gets heated. She says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. This is your fault, Jesus. My brother is dead, and you're the only one who can heal him. Where were you? What's your problem? You let him die. Do you feel it? We sent for you, and you didn't show up. All the people in the village that I told about you, that you're the healer, that you're the savior, they're mocking me. Where's your God now? Where's your Jesus now? Where you needed him the most, he wasn't here. If you were here, Jesus, my brother wouldn't have died. Verse 22, this is an incredibly powerful example of faith for us. Martha continues, but I know, I believe, I trust, I have faith that even now God will give you whatever you ask. As broken as my heart is, Jesus, and as frustrated and as angry as I've ever been in my life, I know that even now in this moment, in the darkest moment of my entire life, I know that you have this connection with God that I don't understand, but I know he'll give you whatever you ask. What an incredible example of faith for, for us. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And then Martha answered, like any good Jew back in that time, I know who rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Every Jew knew that. That God's people will be raised from the grave and ascend to heaven on the last day of life as we know it. She says, Jesus, don't give me some line. I know that. It's kind of like the lines that we use at funerals for each other. 
with good hearts, but it doesn't really help. You'll see them again. It'll all be okay. They're in a better place. Okay, Jesus, I know he's in heaven, but I feel like hell right now. I know, Jesus, it's all going to be okay, but I feel broken and I feel lost more than I ever have in my life. I know all about resurrection. I don't need a line from you. I don't need that. Verse 25. And this is the most earth-shattering, universe-splintering statement that has ever been declared. Jesus says this to her. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus says, when you see me, you see resurrection. When you see me, you see life. I am the embodiment of resurrection and life. When you look me in the face, I am God in the flesh. See, Martha, it's bigger than what you think. Yes, I can ask God for anything and he'll do it for me. It's bigger than that, though. I am resurrection and I am Life. And just so you know, this earth-shattering, universe-splintering declaration eliminates any loophole we have to believe that Jesus was a good person but not God. He's either Lord or a lunatic liar. He cannot be both. Good people do not lie about being God. So he continues, the one who believes, trusts in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. He looks at Martha and says, do you believe this? The culmination of all these events is trying to get people to believe. It's trying to grow the faith of people. And with, I'm guessing, a deep breath and tears streaming down Martha's face. This is what she says. She says, yes, Lord. She replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. I believe even though you let my brother die. I believe even though my life is falling to pieces. I believe even though everyone I told about you is mocking me, even now. I believe that you are who you say you are, and you will do what you say you'll do. So then Jesus asks to be taken to the grave with all the other mourners. And we find in verse 35, the shortest verse in all the Bible, Jesus wept. And I love this about our Savior. He didn't have to allow himself to feel this, but he did. Hebrews says that we have a sympathetic high priest, that Jesus knows what it feels to lose, to have loss. He allowed himself to feel the sting of death, the pain of mourning. He allowed himself to feel exactly what you and I have felt in our lives. The times that we would never sign up for, that we don't want to go through again, that we wouldn't wish on our worst enemy. Jesus knows how it feels to go through a pivotal circumstance. He knows it so well all the way to the cross. So Jesus wept. Verse 39, he says, take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor. It's funny, in the KJV, the King James Version, it says, Lord, 
he stinketh. Isn't that awesome? Does that sound like Monty Python? He stinketh. Lord, he stinketh. No, duh. Four days, long time. He's dead. Verse 43. So they rolled the stone away. Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. You ain't dead no more. Ain't nobody got time for that. Verse 44. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Yeah, yeah. And then verse 45 gives us the reasoning behind all this. This whole thing culminates in verse 45. Here's the purpose for all of this. Verse 45. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. Jesus is comfortable with allowing uncomfortable circumstances into our life so that our faith, our trust, our belief in him will grow. And I got to tell you, man, I was tempted to end this message right there and preach it down. Like, whatever is dead in your life, Jesus is going to resurrect it, and we would excite, and we would, we would excite? I don't know what that means. We would, we would amen, we would clap, we'd run out of here with our hair on fire. It'd be awesome. But it wouldn't always match up to reality, would it? It would not. Jesus is a healer. He is the Savior. But he often doesn't come through in the way that we want him to or in the timeline that we want him to. Pivotal circumstances are a reality of our life in the past, in the present, and in the future. So how do we reconcile that? What do we do with that? And I was thinking this week, why does a pivotal circumstance push someone away from God, but yet that same circumstance draws another one to God. I had a friend in high school who had cancer. He was on the basketball team with me. He played through it. Tough guy. It was incredible to watch. But he got through cancer, and after he was through it, I asked, I just kind of checked up on him, hey, man, how you doing? He said, I honestly missed the cancer because I was closer to God than I'd ever been in my life. And it blew me away to hear that. That, that does not make sense to me. Why does one pivotal circumstance kill the faith of somebody else and builds the faith of another? The half-brother of Jesus gives us an incredible insight, and I hope you get it. I promise you, God's been working on me with this. This will revolutionize your life if you let it in. James, chapter 1 in the message paraphrase, the half-brother of Jesus gives us this insight. And we, we're not going to like it. He says, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. He says, see pivotal circumstances as a gift? James, do you have a gift receipt? I'm about to take this back. I'll take store credit. I don't care. You don't got a receipt? I'm taking it to Goodwill. I just want it out. It's fine. That makes no sense. Because when we get a gift, where's my gift at? Here it is. I got props. I'm prepared. I've never seen somebody get a gift before and go, oh, 
I hope it's marital problems. <laughs> it's a failing transcript. I knew it. Oh, man, it's a bad doctor's report. It's bills I can't pay. A gift. <laughs> Let's see what's in there. My wife wrapped this real nice. Isn't that fancy? Let's see what it is. Let's see what it is. Okay, all right, all right. It's a ship. It's a Star Wars ship. I like it. Anybody like Star Wars in here? Yeah, me too. I love it. It's a ship. Let's see what's Let's play with the ship. You want to play with it a little bit? Let's play it. The tape is so strong. Okay. What the? It's saying a ship? What is this mess? It's in pieces. You can't. That's not fun with pieces. I don't want pieces. I want what's on the box. I want the ship. I want it all put together. That's what I want. I don't want to play with pieces. I want the ship. I want it all together. And oftentimes, our life comes in pieces. It comes in pieces. We want the ship, but it comes in pieces. So here's the insight that I just want you to have. It's our role to put the pieces in perspective. Put the pieces in perspective. Put the pieces in perspective. How do we do that? Why should I consider pivotal circumstances as a gift? Well, James goes on in verse 3. He says, you know that under pressure, when life falls to pieces, when everything's falling apart, your faith is forced into the open and shows its true colors. Because faith is easy when everything's great. Faith is easy, easy with the promotion. When you're throwing the Super Bowl touchdown win, faith is easy then. He continues, he says, so don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work. Oh, I don't want to. Because when tough times come, what do we do? We want to get out. But James says, let it do its work. Why? So you become mature and well-developed so all your pieces come together. Not deficient in any way. Put the pieces in perspective because here's the point God this is why y'all write your normal jobs this is what I was doing all week all right here's the point God sees the whole picture he sees all the pieces put together from beginning to end and everything in between we only see the pieces oftentimes we got to put the pieces in perspective and if we do that We'll be able to see, oh, man, this piece right here holding up the wing, that was so hard. But now it holds up the wing so I can get over. And this piece right here in the back, this was so difficult. I never want to get through it again or go through it again. I would wish it on my worst enemy. But this one is the engine so that now I can get through. And this one right here, oh, the pew, 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 the, the blasters up front, these things, yeah. That was one of the hardest times of my life. But now I can get through anything the enemy throws at me. And this piece right here, 
I tell you what, I would never want you to go through it. But now it's the windshield that I can see clearly the direction that God has for me in the future because he's been so incredibly faithful in my past. Put the pieces in perspective. And personally, uh, this piece right here, this is when my parents forced me to do theater. And I'm still in counseling for it, all right? I was, in, I was in Oliver, 95. I was like seven. I didn't have a choice. They threw me up there. It was awful. But God has used it. So now I'm comfortable about standing in front of people and proclaiming the word of God. And this piece right here, golly, I'll tell you what, this is when my wife and I moved to Orlando to help start a church, which is now the 19th fastest growing church in America. And God used us to start that thing to help start it. But to feed ourselves, we had to start a pressure washing business and we pressure washed gas stations at night. And I was away from her a lot. It aged my body. I was working nights, gas station, days at the church. And that piece was so, so hard and I never want to do it again. But I saw the faithfulness and provision of God. I honestly thought that I had faith. But after that, I know that where God calls, he will provide. So that piece, I don't want to go through again. But it's there for a reason. God sees the whole picture. We only see the pieces. And this piece right here that holds it all together, honestly, is when that girl dumped me before in college. I want to kill myself. I thought about it several times. I was clinically depressed for a year, had an incredible identity crisis. It was the worst thing probably to ever happen to me. But what was the worst thing became the best thing because I was not a Christian then. And at my lowest point, that's where God found me and rescued me as a freshman at USF. Go Bulls. I would not be a Christian if that pivotal circumstance had not happened. I would not have my beautiful wife. Where is she? Where is she? Where is my girl? Where is my girl? Where is my girl at? Where is my girl? Where are you at? Way back there? God bless the broken road that led me straight to you. Yeah. I would not be a Christian. I would not be married to my bride. I would not have my sweet baby girl, Ella. I would not be a pastor living my calling if I hadn't gone through the worst thing in my life. Put the pieces in perspective. One more verse for you, and then we can pray. Romans 8, 28. Let this sink into your heart right now. And we know that God causes everything, even the deepest, darkest situation you can go through. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Put the pieces in perspective. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.